The Way Out Podcast, episode 54. Vulnerability and recovery. I don't know. These are all like double-edged swords, aren't they? Uh, so it's like being vulnerable is part of the spiritual program I work. Like, you know, this is how I feel. This is what's going on in my life. I'm going to open up to you and tell you what's going on so that I don't stay sick. I feel like, uh, you know, like I risked uh, rejection. Who, who doesn't want to be accepted by their peers? Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out, sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out podcast is sponsored by Transitions Daily, Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the official website of The Way Out Podcast at www.wayoutcast.com. There you will find links to our latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio FM. You can also follow The Way Out Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform the way out podcast is on now i'm your host charlie l this week i bring you a conversation with roger f on vulnerability and emotional risk in recovery the interview was recorded while traveling from stillwater minnesota to minneapolis minnesota so you'll hear the sounds of the road in the background A perfect opportunity to use your collective imagination to envision yourselves in the back seat of the Way Out podcast mobile, listening to this impromptu recovery discussion. Listen up. Roger. Roger that. Welcome to the Way Out podcast. It's awesome that this is not an anonymous program or affiliated in any way, so I can be a celebrity. Uh, No, you cannot. You know, it's funny you say that, Roger, because in the intro to this very podcast, I said I have no intention on be, trying to become a um, uh, try to become famous in an anonymous program. It does nobody any good. In fact, one of the biggest concerns I have with having a podcast is uh, is feeling like um, or running the risk that um uh, God will, God forbid I relapse, um, that it affects other people's sobriety too, right? Sure. And I kind of think I'm not that big of a deal, right? I, um, I beg to differ. <laughs> but that's a real risk. We have to stay humble. We have to realize that, that I'm only carrying a message here, right? Yeah. It's not me. It's the program, right? Sure. And it's a we. And we're carrying a message. That's all we're doing. But, Roger... We're here to have, well, actually, we're in right now, at this very moment, in Stillwater, Minnesota. Yeah. And I just picked your uh, happy little butt up, and we're going to bring you to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And on the way there, we are going to have an engaging, inspirited recovery conversation surrounding vulnerability and taking risks in recovery. Uh-huh. So, when I say that, give me your first sort of imp- uh, uh, gut sort of uh, response to what vulnerability in recovery means to you. Vulnerability in recovery? I don't know. These are all like double-edged swords, aren't they? Uh, so, it's like being vulnerable is part of the spiritual program I work, like, you know, this is how I feel, this is what's going on in my life, I'm going to open up to you and tell you what's going on so that I don't stay sick, right? Ooh, that's, that's, that's important, that's a big thing you just hit there, so if I, you know, there's that adage, and I tend to buy into it, we're as sick as our secrets, mm-hmm. 
and if we allow our secrets to consume us, uh, that is a very dangerous prospect, right? Could be, yeah. But so that leaves us open to vulnerability, right? Right. Risk. So, so, so we've got these things that we share as a part of working through the steps, right? One of the biggest risks we take is what? Sharing uh, our fifth step. Right. Yeah. Our fourth step. In the fifth step, right? That's a huge risk, right? We risk what? When we share our fourth step with somebody, I feel like uh, you know, like I risked uh, rejection. Bingo! Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I hated, especially, and I and I and I don't like rejection today. Mm-hmm. Much better, but I can handle it better today than I ever used to be able to do an active addiction and alcoholism. Man, I dreaded rejection in. Uh, it, back when I was still drinking and using, uh, can you relate to that? Oh uh, yeah. Who who doesn't want to be accepted by their peers? Right, right, right. And and want to feel like you are um, a part of something, a part of, or not apart from. And that's the thing about you. You mentioned these secrets, right? That we keep, right? Because we have made decisions that are contrary to what our values are and what our um, uh, so we make these we make these decisions and we and we make actions that are contrary to our uh, core to, values core values and then we feel like we need to hide that yeah right? we need to lie about it uh, so we have to be vulnerable, but can we be too vulnerable? Is there a situation where we can be unnecessarily vulnerable? You said that it cuts both ways. I think that's probably true. What do you mean by that? Well, there was another idea I had, but with the, the direction the conversation is taking, it's like uh, when you talk about unnecessary vulnerability, it brings me to the ninth step, you know, except when to do so to injure them or others, you know. So you don't want to be vulnerable to the extent that you're going injure, to injure somebody. Okay. Sharing their secrets, maybe, or um, I don't know what that ninth step means. So... For me, anyway, the ninth step is about, you know, making amends, right, for the transgressions, right? So uh, in step four and five, I realized that there was these defects of character that were operating within me that not only hurt others, but hurt myself, right? Mm -hmm. And hurt the relationships between me and other people because these character defects ran rough shot over my life and at least for me personally I didn't even know those existed I, the, for a, lo- a lot of the things that were at the root the causes and conditions of my defects of character fear primarily I was not aware of really until I did that fourth step I wasn't aware of how much fear drove at my behavior and was at the center of why I chose to behave in a certain way. And I didn't realize how selfish I was. Step four was critical in that, but the, but the, but the end result was I hurt people. And I'm a people, I hurt me, I hurt other people. And in step nine, I gotta make that right to the best of my given ability, Yeah. right? Um, and that's a vulnerability piece because I can only, I have to, sw- I have to be willing to be humble and I have to be willing to be vulnerable when I approach somebody in a ninth step and own my piece of it and then allow them the opportunity to, uh, not only, you know, make any response they want to make, right, which may or may not be favorable based on <laughs> what we may have done in the past, but also I have to be open and vulnerable 
to what they might ask of us in order to make it right. All right. And it's on their terms, not mine. Right. And that's a vulnerability piece, right? Like I'm making, I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position by saying, Hey, um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this right. And then ball in their court, they get to, that's an open, that's an open Open ended invitation. invitation. Right, and you and I worked through that with your ninth step. Did that feel vulnerable to you? Yeah. When you were making those amends and you had to make those amends, you put yourself in a vulnerable position. Yeah. Um, There's a couple I'm still struggling with. Let's talk about that. What do you mean? Just I'm afraid of the repercussions or the sure. reaction. That so fear is driving at it, right? Mm-hmm. So we, you, and you're facing a prospect of being vulnerable. Yep. Right? Still don't want to. And, and, and so you're having a problem with willingness. Yes. You could say that. I don't know. The willingness is there. The, uh, yeah. You just got to do it. But if you really examine it, you haven't done it yet, and you're yeah. asking yourself why. And you're procrastinating it, right? Mm-hmm. And has there been opportunities to make these amends and you've chosen not to? Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely is a sign of unwillingness, right? And that's okay, right? Then we have the opportunity to pray to be willing, right? You don't have to, you can't make yourself willing if you're not willing, right? If you're scared, if you've got fear that's driving at a possible repercussion, right? To that amend, then we need to pray for the willingness. Okay. And once that willingness comes, if you pray for it, it will come. That willingness will come. Because for me anyway, it was about acceptance, right? I had to accept the fact that I owned my actions and then I had to pray to be willing. It was so specifically with my ex, um, my most recent ex, I didn't want to make amends to her. She hurt me in a, in a very concerted way. And I harbored that against her. Mm-hmm. And so although our, the root of my unwillingness in that case and your unwillingness is different, it was still, mine was based on anger, right? But it was also really based on fear, right? Fear that she wouldn't respond in the way that I would want her to respond, right? Fear that she would throw it in my face fear that she would be vindictive right and 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 uh look for and and look for it as an as an opportunity to uh, hurt me again so that was at my that was at the core of why i didn't want to make that event so i wasn't willing so my sponsor's like you got to pray for it and I could do that. And at first it was not a very heartfelt prayer. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but How did that go? Yeah, <laughs> it was sort of like... Uh, God, I, um, I know I'm supposed to be willing to make these events. I'm not willing. I'm not willing at all. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm hurt. Um... And, and the desire doesn't exist for me today to make an amend to her. Uh, I don't think she deserves it. And furthermore, I'm afraid if I make that amend that she's going to take it as an opportunity to attack me. But that all said, please help me begin to be willing to do whatever it takes in order to get better. Because I know I need to make this amend to get better. And I know that if I don't make this amend, then my progress will be stunted to some degree. And I don't want that. And I want to get better. And I don't want to hang on to this anymore. So it became more about not wanting to hang on to it and less about her, right? And my willingness came not about... My willingness came because I was able to be able to understand that it was also selfish. Like, I needed to make that event for me, not for her. 
the amend really wasn't for her. It's for you to get better. It was for me to get better. You can't hold on to it. And if I were to continue to hold on to it, then I would be contributing to my uh, not being able to continue my path to wellness. And so framed in that respect, I was able to pray for the willingness to continue to get better, this being a part of that. And that allowed me to have the willingness to, A, I had to forgive her for what she did to me outright. And then once I was able to forgive her, because she, you know, I fundamentally believe, except for the worst of the worst people, that, you know, we're doing the best we can with what we have at the time. Most people are, even when they hurt. And even when they when when they attack and they hurt people, then they're just doing the best they know how, which sometimes isn't good enough. And that has to be okay. Like that that has to be. I have to be okay with that because I was I'm that person still sometimes, and I was a whole lot of times in my active addiction. Right? Like I was doing the best that I could with what I had, and it wasn't good enough a lot of times, and I hurt people because of it. So. I was able to forgive her, and then I was able to make a genuine amend. So, what's driving at your fear? The fear of what they're going of retaliation? I don't know if it's retaliation so much as uh, disappointment. Not disappointment. Or something because I've held on to it for so long. Is it something that they know that they that you did? No. Okay. So you're making a you're you're considering making amends for things that they don't know about. I they like yeah I'm allowing them to believe something else that happened. Got it. So you're allowing them to believe an alternate version of the events of the reality. Yeah. Okay. Um, and let's walk through this a little bit. Let's get more specific. What is it? What what is it? What did you do? What Give me the specifics, as specific as you can be, uh, with uh, 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 and protecting anonymity. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm on a podcast. I don't want to get into specifics. <laughs> well, I understand that, but in order to walk through, we need to do a little bit of it. So let's 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 frame it this way. What would happen if you if you never told them? Would they be harmed in a, in any significant way if they continued to believe? this version of the facts? Uh, not that I can foresee, but it's not about them. No, that's true, but it is about them and the fact that we don't get to unload at the expense of others either. Yeah. Right? So if we're simply unloading only for our own benefit and it hurts them, that's a problem. Is it? Is this, if you reveal this truth, is there a chance that this person gets hurt? I don't think so. Okay. Other so there than, is no harm. oh, you let me believe this thing. And they're mad at you for that. Yeah. Okay. And so, right now, like, the uncomfort... So like, you guys got to suck it up buttercup and realize that you lied to them. You allowed them to believe this lie. And now it's gone on for so long that... It's eating me. It's eating you up. And they're going to be like, you allowed me to believe this for this long. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And even though, like, deep down, I realize it's not going to be the case, right? It's going to be like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. Yeah. Like, right. it's cool. We'll right. Work it out. Don't worry right. about it. But that's the reaction, like, I can expect. But at this point, like, it's as uncomfortable it is, it is to hold on to it. it it's uh, more uncomfortable to approach it right now. It's like, there's this balance, right? Like, right now, whenever I try to mention it, there's a block there. There's, like... Right. I can't bring I it up. I don't like, oh, God, that's really st stupid, uncomfortable. So I'm still living with the uncomfort of keeping it to myself. Right? Right. I understand that. You know, so there, there's, there's so, a tipping point that I'm, I'm waiting for maybe, or just I need to tip it myself, you know? You need to pray for the willingness. Yeah. Right? That's the bottom line. You need to pray for the willingness to be able to make that amend so that it can be less about, you know, the outcome, which... You're probably right when you say it's probably not going to be as bad as you're sort of making it out to be. And ultimately, 
in order to continue upon your recovery path, these things have to be done. Yep. In order to continue to get better. Secrets keep us safe. They absolutely do. Right? They absolutely do. And when you share them, they have. Right? They, like, have in their power over you. Right? Now, you harboring this has a lot of sort of power over your uh, your serenity yeah. and your peace of mind. And how long are you willing to allow that lie to rob you of peace of mind? Yeah, isn't that the question? That's the question. How long are you willing to put up with that? Because right? these are the ankle biters. I call these sort of the ankle biters of sobriety, right? I've got one that I still need to do, and every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, I gotta do that, right? And then I forget about it. And then I think about it again, and I feel bad about it, and then I gotta, and then I tell myself I gotta take care of it, and then I don't, right? So, and that is um, the, uh, so there's a, um, this is around town, so I wanna be sure that I protect anonymity, but, and there, let's just say that there is a particular yoga place that I went to for a while, right? And the last time I went, the, the, the main instructor wasn't there, right? You usually pay 10 bucks, right? And it's um, recovery-infused yoga. So it's really cool. I just haven't been able to go to it for a really long time. Yeah, well, I, I didn't have gone. And yeah. Another uh, a friend of ours. Yeah, exactly, and it's really cool, and I really do enjoy it, but the problem is, I didn't have the cash, and the, the gal that filled in didn't have a way to take a credit card, okay? So, and I haven't gone back since. So, I owe this gal 10 bucks. Like, that's just straight out I owe it, right? Yeah. But I haven't paid her yet, and uh, I need to. Yeah. And that's the ankle biter stuff. Right, like it seems insignificant, but it's not. But it's you not owe ten bucks, and you're not going back to this place that you used to. Now, now it's become a thing. Yeah. Right, because at first it wasn't a thing. Right, it was like, ah, it's fine. But now it's sort of like, well, now I've had a lot of opportunity to pay that ten dollars, and I haven't taken advantage of any of those opportunities. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm still. I'm still sick, my brother. <laughs> I'm still sick. I'm a sick, sick, sick individual sometimes still. And I still have the ability to procrastinate, and I still have the ability to be able to harbor those character defects, yeah. right? Um, and so I got to pay the woman, and I will, hopefully, soon, so I don't have to keep thinking about how I haven't paid her. Mm -hmm. And... Um, how silly it is that I've allowed it to go this far. Yeah. Right? So that's one instance. Tell me about taking... So that's vulnerability and recovery. I would also say, at least for me, from a vulnerability standpoint, just starting the process of recovery and living life on life's terms without chemicals, right, is being vulnerable. Yeah. Because I have to deal with my feelings. I have to deal with me. Yeah. And that feels vulnerable to me a lot. That's the risk part, right? Like, I got to risk facing the world without my uh, coping mechanisms. Without my chemicals. Yeah. And then as we go through the steps, without character defects, it, you know, as we go along in recovery, right? And those expose us and make us feel vulnerable when we start laying down those character defects. So not only are we not living a chemical solution anymore, which feels very vulnerable, very raw, right? If I'm gonna be rejected, I don't have my chemicals to make it okay anymore. Yeah. So I'm vulnerable. And if I feel lost, I have to feel that all the way through. 
and that feels vulnerable to me. Can you relate to that? Uh, yeah. I don't like having to feel all those things all the way through. I'm grateful that I've had these ups and downs that I've dealt with over the last almost nine months. What? Oh, yeah. What? How many months? Almost nine. In a row? And, yeah. And that's nights and weekends and stuff, too? Yeah, all of it. Holy shit. That's amazing. That's a miracle, my brother. That yeah, is a each miracle. Every day in a row, yeah. That's a freaking miracle. miracles. <laughs> wow. How did I do that, right? Dude, with all the stuff that you've had to deal with. Man, I doubt And life it. getting lifey. Mm -hmm. You've maintained a state of sobriety. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. It wasn't easy. And it was like these, these things I had to deal with and the feelings I had to uh, work through. Oh, my God. Right. Right. Feeling vulnerable a lot. Right? Yeah. I had to learn a lot about myself and where do these feelings come from and why am I feeling this way and does it have to do with the situation going on right now or is it some character defect? We'll be right back with the second half of my impromptu mobile interview about risk and recovery with Roger to take a step into this week's Recovery Revealed. Taking risks and being vulnerable in recovery is a downright scary proposition. Drugs, alcohol, and compulsive behaviors allowed me to escape the reality that was my own self-imposed hell. Fear and anxiety dominated me. The big book calls that restlessness, irritability, and discontentedness. The void inside my soul, I desperately tried to fill all the wrong things that felt so right the first time I tried them. Chemical solutions to a spiritual problem always fall tragically short, leaving me in a place somehow worse off than where I began. More confused, more isolated, more miserable, more dejected, and more defeated. Which is right where my disease likes me. Knocked down on the floor with its boot on my throat, begging for mercy, begging for something to relieve the god-awful pain. Not just anything will do, you see. It must be pleasure-filled ecstasy through intoxication. That I know will be the fix for what ails me. But there's a fatal flaw in my logic, and I'm aware of this problematic thought process as it floats just underneath the surface, just out of reach of my ability to be true to thine own self. This gnawing notion that the last hundred times I caved to this obsession, I was left emptier, more isolated, and even more separated from the warm embrace of connectedness and love. It will be different this time, I would tell myself. You'll be able to handle it. You won't feel like a junkie this time. You won't feel like a hopeless alcoholic after this drunk. You won't feel like a slave in bondage to the compulsive behavior. Somehow I allow myself to believe that lie just long enough to allow for the compulsion to take full control of my mind, body, and spirit. That's the dirty little secret of addiction, alcoholism, and compulsive behavior. The lie we tell ourselves only needs to work just long enough to take that first hit, that first drink, that first plunge into whatever will provide the intoxication du jour. After that, we are at the mercy of the addiction. The person takes the drink, then the drink takes the person. I didn't do this for 20 years. I didn't change for that long because I was terrified of a life without addictions that were killing me on the installment plan. Better that than having to face my fears, unmanageable emotions, resentments, failures, loss, and transgressions every single day. Sober, without drugs or alcohol. That is vulnerability. That, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is risk.
Now back to the second half of my mobile interview with Roger. Stick around for the full version of Roger's Piano Jam at the conclusion of this episode. Don't forget, the way we get the message out to those who still suffer is to give this podcast a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Was that the right thing to do? Is there a different way I could have approached it? Did it need to be said? Did it need to be said by me? Did it need to be said right now? <laughs> is it right? Is it good? Is it true? <laughs> that I aren't. I don't. I can't use anymore. So now I got to look at me again. So you're taking risks by allowing yourself to feel all the way f- through, and then start identifying how you respond to these things. Yeah, it's like without chemicals, right? Yeah. I mean, continue to take personal inventory. Where right. am I showing up? You know, where am I getting this resentment from? Was that the right thing to do? Is there a different way I could have approached it? Did it need to be said? Did it need to be said by need? Did it need to be said right now? <laughs> is it right? Is it good? Is it true? <laughs> I love Those that. That's new. And I love that. Is it right? Is it good? And is it true? What a great barometer in terms of, you know, I sent out a thought of the day yesterday and the thought of the day, and I can't remember who said it, so I can't, uh, I can't attribute the quote, but I can tell you it said, don't speak unless you can improve the silence. How cool is that? I wish I had come up with that. Can I just take That's credit? A, uh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> One time. I'm going to post it on Facebook. One time. <laughs> no. You can do whatever you want once. Once. And then learn from it and figure out whether it's going to work next time. That's correct. All right. Right. Hell, you could jump off of a 25-story building one time. I'm probably not going to be able to do that again. Right. Unless I got, like, a hang glider. Can't do... Right. Right. Likely, you're not going to be able to do that twice. Yeah. But you can do it at least once. Probably should do that over the ocean. Probably. Even then, I think when you land, it kind of feels like landing on cement. Well, not if I got a hang glider. Or a parachute. Where in the... Little base diving, right? That's what they call it. I feel like we've gone off track a little. Yeah, well, I'm saying you can jump off a 25-story building and then, you know. You could. Do it again. You could. So, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> you could do whatever you want at least once. Yeah. Sometimes only once. Sometimes only once. Right. I got the point. I was just... <laughs> um, so, talk about taking risks in recovery. What was the first big risk in recovery that you took? Maybe. took my rule 25 and signed up for treatment I don't know that was scary that's that, I had no idea what I was signing sure. up for right and you were putting your life in the care of other individuals oh I hated that, that too like oh wait a minute I just signed over control to you guys right that's I a don't risk I know you that's a <laughs> risk how about um can I just go to the store no oh how about coming back and having to tell people in recovery that uh, you relapsed is that a risk I don't know. I felt comfortable being able to do that. What a blessing that is. Yeah. Like what a I had blessing my own group is. and my fellowship and people I knew and then the, the people and, who were new you felt, got to hear me and show you, up and be and like, you realized, yeah, this is what I did. Right. And, uh, you know, then they approached me afterwards like, that's great, Roger. Thank you so much. You don't even believe this. That's like where experience can benefit others all of a sudden. Like it comes out of nowhere. As long as you're being vulnerable, opening up, and being honest about it, it's like, so oh, you thanks. Were, re- <laughs> so you were rewarded for being vulnerable. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that. Because we don't shoot our wounded. Yeah. And we know what it's like. Most of us know what a relapse feels like. Yep. And I, I've seen it, and I see other people still shoot our wounded. I do see that yeah. sometimes. And it's usually by people like, you've been doing this for how long now you got 12 years 20 years and you're gonna judge this guy you made it 90 days and 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 uh fell off the wagon like oops help him back up dude that's your job as far as i'm concerned but like they say it's only whoever woke up earliest you know <laughs> that's right and i and i and i agree yep yep yeah that's what that's in in time becomes a lesson less 
important and quality of sobriety to, and quality of recovery definitely becomes more important. And I've seen it go other ways where it's like, oh, he relapsed. It makes it okay for me to now. Like, he was able to come back. I'll tell you what. His we were talking about that sort of nothing bad happened. Right. So right. Right. I'm gonna go give it a shot. Right. You know? Right. Right. And that's sort of that sort of demigod type of uh, danger that can happen in uh, the rooms of uh, our favorite twelve-step fellowship that starts with an A and ends with an A. Um, is that people that garner a lot of sort of respect for, you know, working a solid program of recovery and maybe they've got a lot of sponsees and they do a lot of service work or whatever it is and for one reason or another, they relapse. Right? Um, if that person is looked upon as a higher power of sorts by other people, how many that's other people really, are going to fall with That's them. really yeah. dangerous, man. It is. That's really dangerous. But so, is, is my sobriety in your hands? No, hell no. No, and I told you that straight off, right? Like, uh, I can't, I can't, I, I am not responsible for your recovery. I am responsible for carrying the message. That's it. And sharing experience, strength, and hope, and doing the best I can to impart what I've learned in two and a half years of recovery to you. That's my that's my responsibility. I don't get to own your relapse. I don't get to own your quality of recovery. I don't get to own any of that. I'm not, uh, that's, that's not my responsibility, right? Uh, I had, you know, I've had sponsees relapse. And, uh, you know, that's where it's really nice to have a sponsor and to be able to reach out to him and I did frequently about this stuff. And he's got a lot of experience, strength, and hope to share around that about sponsoring and sponsees relapsing and, you know, what he's been through. And it's been tremendously valuable to me in being able to be a better sponsor and a more effective sponsor. So. That's been huge. What else risks in recovery? What other risks in recovery have you, do you feel like you've taken in almost nine months of continuous sobriety? Other risks? Um, I visited, I visited with a few of uh, my old using friends. That's a big risk. They were uh, kind and respectable enough to not be having anything out in front of me. Uh, you know, giving me a way out. Like, I went to my friend's birthday party in January. We have uh, very close birthdays, so we try to celebrate uh, together. And it was at a, a bar, like a, uh, a sports bar, food and stuff like that. And I, I, before I went, I, you know, I gave myself a way out. I told them when I'm uncomfortable, I have to leave. And there came a point where it was like, you know, I saw someone uh, sipping that Corona, and uh, my mouth just started watering. And I'm like, hey, I gotta go. And by then it was, you know, oh, Roger, come on, don't go. Please, we're having such a good time. And I'm like, I told you that I needed to be able to leave when I needed to leave, and I got to leave. Right. You know, um, I recognize those kinds of so risks. So now you were able to identify where you reached a point where you were no, no longer okay with being in that situation. Yeah. That was a boundary, right? And you were able to remove yourself from an uncomfortable yeah. situation. And being able to do it even though they like knew going in that I needed to be able to leave when I needed to leave and then uh, overcoming that uh, kind of no please stay no I have to go <laughs> you know having that uh, uh, I guess power to overcome that instead of caving and saying all right well I guess I'll stay a little bit longer and putting myself at risk yeah it was like no I'm at risk it's time for me to leave and I was able right. to do that right right and when you feel like you've because there's good risk, I think, in recovery and bad risk in recovery. Because I feel like there's a lot of risks that I took that were good risks. I, yeah. I risked ask, asking somebody to be my sponsor. Yeah. And risked rejection. Yeah. That's a good risk. That fifth step. That fifth step was a huge risk. Being right? vulnerable. Every ninth step amend I made was a risk. Huge and being risk. vulnerable. And that risk and vulnerability really is 
kind of tied together. Right, and it's the, that's where that double-edged sword comes in because it's like if I'm not vulnerable enough to expose my secrets and share what my side of the street looks like. Willing to take that risk. If I'm not willing to take that risk and be vulnerable, then I'm right. putting my sobriety at risk and I'm opening Bingo. myself up to... to uh, uh, Bingo. That's the other risk, so, right? As if, if I'm I not feel... vulnerable in taking right. risk, I'm vulnerable in taking risk. So <laughs> <laughs> which way do I want to take this? And you know? which, which exposes me to greater risk? The risk of a uh, potentially uncomfortable reaction or the risk of potentially endangering my sobriety. I think the endangering the uh, recovery process is a greater risk. Definitely. So either way, we're taking a risk. We're swallowing the sword one way or the other, so to speak, is where I, that's the word that comes to mind. And as we, there's risks that I take that are calculated in terms of revealing my recovery status to people that are not in the program. Oh, right? yeah, with the stigma of, oh, you're an alcoholic. Guy. Right. That's a risk, right? So when did you get up off the street and start sleeping in cardboard boxes? Bing, bing, bing. I just told a woman that I just started to get to know that I'm an alcoholic. That was hard. That was a risk. But I risked that woman saying, you know what? I'm good. Right? Thanks, but no thanks. I want nothing to do with a, a guy that used to, yeah, uh, sleep under a bridge uh, uh, with a bottle uh, in a brown, brown paper bag. Yeah. Right? That, that overt stigma. Even when you write the word alcoholism to somebody who's not in recovery, the word reeks of stigma. Yeah. It just does. Well, that's where I see when people, like, it's, it's kind of recommended. It's not an official kind of uh, sanctioned thing, but when people are giving presentations, talking about the program uh, outside of the program, because it's anonymous to say I'm a person in recovery. That's right. And I identify myself as a person in long-term recovery from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. That's how I identify, right? I don't say... Outside of... Outside rooms. of the rooms. Yep. So if I... In, in, in a public way, right? If it's a friend, I'm going to say I'm, I'm, I'm an alcoholic and I go to alcohol. And I'll start drinking and right? I won't stop me. Right. Exactly. And I, and I give them, right? Like I just had to do it with a client, right? Um... Uh, we became friends on Facebook and she said, oh, is this you? The founder of the Way Out podcast? I said, yes. She said, what's that about? I listen to it. <laughs> and I said, and I told her and I said, and she's like, I didn't know you were in recovery. I said, well, I am, right? And so, uh, but I identified myself as a person in long-term recovery. Um, I didn't say I went to AA. I didn't, you know, none of that. That's how I identify from a professional and public level, but from a personal level, then I, I can I can take the risk, the calculated risk to reveal more. If I feel like, but if there's situations where I ha I feel like, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, reveal it. I can't get out of it, maybe for one reason or another in this situation. Um, I was faced with having to reply to an answer either dancing around the truth or saying, hey, I'm in recovery. And the reason I did X, Y, or so I said I was helping a friend. This was last night. She said, oh my God, that's so great. What were you doing? Well, you know, I can't really, so I didn't say anything besides that, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, in long-term recovery from alcoholism, and one of the things we do is uh, sponsor other people and walk them through um, early recovery, right? And so it was a very interesting sort of experience revealing something about me without revealing something about the 12-step program that we're a part of, right? Yeah, that's got to be... I've never... I've never had that experience. Yeah, it was really... 
I had to pray about it. Like I had to really, you know, I had how to, do I respond? To this? How do I respond to this? And when you said, "Is it? Give me, give me that that litmus test you spit spit out again. Is it true? Is it right? Is it good? Is it good? Right? That's sort of the process I was going through. I could have chosen to lie, right? But that didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. And it certainly wasn't true. So I was able to respond because of the work I've done in recovery with something that was right, that was true, and that was good. And Did you improve the silence? I think so. Cool. I think so. I think I did, brother. I think I did. And you know what? I was afraid that I was going to get just no response and, you know, nothing ever again. Right? Like, peace out. I didn't know that. And I didn't bargain for that. And, Deal breaker. Yep. I'm good. And I got the exact opposite response. Yeah. There's that fear coming in, right? Bingo. Of being vulnerable. And in that instance, it paid off. Right? But even if it didn't, I was okay with that. I had already been okay with, I'm going to be honest here. And if it's a result that I don't particularly like, I'm okay with that too. Right? I like to tell people, oh, no, I, uh, you don't want me drinking. I'll uh, drink you under the table with, with your own money. I'll make you wonder why you woke up broke. I just say, hey, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, oh, my gosh, will it bother you if I drink? No, nope, but it should bother you if I do. Yeah, you might be concerned about it. I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And it's kind of, well, you've been sober for this long. Do you still have to go to, quote, those uh, meetings, how long? How long do you think you're going to be done with that, <laughs> that stuff? You're those doing? those meetings you go to. <laughs> when, 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 do you, when do you graduate from that? <laughs> you get your certificate. You've been going for like nine months, right? right yeah, yeah, it's a year-long program. You're working on your doctorate. What's going on? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I think, I think I'm probably I think plugged I in keep here for that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Try to take it day. I'm going to go today. <laughs> We're taking this deal day by day. Right now, I still think I should go. Today, I still need to go. <laughs> when do you think you're going to be done? When it comes to taking risks in recovery, we talked about some of those risks that we take. Anything else come to your mind in terms of taking risks, either good risks or bad risks in recovery? Well, today I went to a gentleman's club. You went to a what? Yeah, it's like down the road, so I thought I did I'd not approve a... that as, a, as as your sponsor. <laughs> I did not approve that. Well, I didn't call anybody. No. Yeah, I I was like, oh, there's a gentleman's club. I think I'll go check it out. And uh, so it, doors open at two thirty, right? The uh, gentleman's club didn't open until five thirty, so it's a, a wash. I drank a bunch of coke, but the risk I think involved there was a it was a bar. They said kitchen open. I asked. If the kitchen was open, and they're like, no, there's no food. Can I get you a drink? And I'm like, Diet Coke, please. You know? Like right. That, and that's like, and he wanted $3 for this little glass. Oh, there ain't even any Jack in there. What the hell's going on? $3. <laughs> He's like, well, it'll be a dollar. I don't know. You know. Like, oh, can I get two? It'll be another dollar. I'm like, all right. How much for a pitcher of Diet Coke? Well, I can get you unlimited Diet Coke for eight bucks. Like, Jesus. Okay, fine. You know, but I found myself, and I, you know, I got to charge my phone, an outlet to charge my phone in, and um, I drank my Diet Coke, and I played on my phone. So, but, like, it occurred to me, like, wow, I'm like, I put myself in a risky situation. That's a risky right situation. Here. Yeah. Yeah, right. And for me, those kinds of situations can be dangerous because it is, it can be like using behavior, Right. Um, and it can be, um... You took the wrong uh, This is not a lane, Roger. <laughs> no, but that is. This you, is all, we're good. Yeah, you're good. We're fine. We're See, gonna, I knew go that. right, I, but you just turned look, a little too soon. I knew that. His constructions and I was just I trying swear. to make sure that we had plenty of room to maneuver, Roger. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw what and we did. Yeah. You know, so that worked out well. to get out of everybody's way. Correct. And figure out what was going on. And so that worked out perfect. 
No, that was now I have to measure that. That was not true. <laughs> that was not good. Not good. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. <laughs> Why did you say that? Why did I say that out loud? What I what I did is I turned. What if I hadn't been there to witness it and you were talking to these people, these nice people, these, the, the the lovely way out podcast audience? I yeah. would have had to probably step tended at some point. Right. But what I did is I veered into a lane that was not a lane. Uh, it, well, it was still a lane. There's no construction. There's just a bunch of orange barrels. Like, right. what are y'all doing? I just was on we the other side. We had a survey s- for three months, and then... I was on the other <laughs> side of the orange barrels. Yeah. The wrong side of the orange well, barrels. Well, it looked like there was still... You know, there was the painted lines. Correct. And there was space between Correct. the barrels. And then all of a sudden, there wasn't space between the barrels. We've now made it to beautiful... Uh, Minneapolis. In fact, we are now on the west side of Minneapolis. We're in North Minneapolis. North Minneapolis. North Minneapolis. Kind of west too. Kind of westish. Up, yeah. North. Northwest, which isn't nearly Roger as cool as Northeast. <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where all the cool kids live. The Northeast is in Northeast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I just want you to be aware of that. All the cool storms come from the nor'easters. <laughs> That's right. So any you other go to Roger pearls of wisdom to share with the Way Out podcast audience before we sign off? You should probably turn left on Lindale here. Well, but that's exactly what my GPS told me to do. That's interesting you say that. You two are like on the same page. I wasn't even looking at the GPS. I, I live here. Um, so I call my GPS... Um, and I'm just making this up on the spot right now. Um, what's a great, uh, 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 grace. What's a great grace. That's what I'm going to call my GPS is great grace. grace? Grace. No, just grace. Just grace. Um, so you and grace (laughs) are on, uh, the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You guys are vibing. So any other pearls of wisdom to share with the Way Out podcast I audience? Didn't, I didn't know I had any wisdom other than turning oh, left keep, on North Lindale. That, well, that it was a wise choice. I would agree with that, my brother. Uh, so if you want to reach out to uh, the Way Out podcast, you can email the show at share at wayoutcast.com. That's share at wayoutcast.com. Roger, thank you, brother for being a contributor on the way out podcast thank you for being a part of the way out where we share stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com that's wayoutcast all one word dot com or drop your host a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com There, you can also find links to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podcast Garden. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety day will.
That's what I gotta do. Okay. I'm gonna do this. Ooh. I'm gonna keep it going. Keep it going full speed. Like my sugar with coffee and cream.
gotta be another where I can go. Gotta be another where I can go. So let's let's start it out. Like let's see if I start it out. Mm -hmm. 